And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Episode 124 of the Keith Law Show. I'll be joined in a moment by Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline. We're going to do a lot of draft talk today. He's had a mock draft go up uh, maybe not quite two weeks ago, and then I had one go up last week. We were actually extremely similar. I think we might have had the same top six, uh, which I pointed out to him. Um, So we're going to talk a lot about what might happen at the top, some potential surprises. Also, uh, he's got a book coming out. We'll talk a little bit about that. It's called Smart, Wrong, and Lucky. It is out on July 11th. You can pre-order it on Bookshop or at your local independent bookstore or the BMOth site that shall not be named. For folks who subscribe to The Athletic, I, as I said, I did put up my first mock draft of the year. That was towards the end of last week. I also have a scouting blog post on the minors. I saw the Yankees affiliate uh, Hudson Valley at Wilmington. So it's a Nats affiliate. I have some notes on Spencer Jones, who was the Yankees' first-round pick last year. Two pitchers for uh, Hudson Valley, both Drew Thorpe and Chase Hampton, whose names you might hear in some trade talks this summer. And then James Wood, who was part of the Juan Soto trade, whom Washington promoted to A Harrisburg after the game I caught on Saturday night. For folks who follow me for board game content, I did have another review go up at Paste Magazine last week, Motor City, which is a roll-and-write. If you're familiar with Fleet the Dice Game or Three Sisters, those are roll-and-writes by the same designers as Motor City. This one has a pretty similar feel. Roll and write games are kind of like Yahtzee. That's the one I think most people know. You're rolling dice, and then everybody is marking something of their choice on their individual score sheets. One of our favorite family games around here. It's pretty easy to teach. Everyone can kind of play along, and I think people just generally find it very satisfying to fill out their score sheets, no matter whether they win or lose. Now it is my pleasure to be joined by Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline. This is sort of an annual tradition. We do this around this time now that we've both got mock drafts out. Jonathan also uh, helped with his Pipeline colleagues, published an updated ranking of the top 200 prospects for this year's draft. And Jonathan has a book out coming on July 11th called Smart, Wrong, and Lucky. You can pre-order it anywhere fine books are sold. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. It's always fun, Keith. So let us begin by, I would say, let's begin by talking some mock draft stuff. Um, so we'll start at the top, too. What do you think is the probability, you can put a number on it if you want, or you can just speak in general terms, that Dylan Cruz doesn't go number one? Because I do know some people who think the Pirates will try to go in a different direction to save some money to potentially go over slot with later picks, which I think is the alternate scenario. But how do you handicap the odds of that actually coming to pass? Yeah, I I think it's, I I still think he makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, it is the kind of thing that we, 
internally constantly have that is that what we would want them to do and we in a general sense or is that what you know they should do or what they're going to do and as we've seen over the years not just with pittsburgh but in, in general like what they should well first of all that's a subjective thing yep and and second what what one person or team thinks they should do and what they end up thinking they should do can be two different things so you know they have the benefit of this being a year where there are multiple players who i think are talented enough to be considered number one picks mm -hmm. All that being said, I still, I still feel like it's about fifty percent that they go cruise, and then fifty percent they go one of the other guys. And I, I don't think it's out of the reason that they, you know, they could pick Paul Skeens if they decide we we just need the arm to get there in a hurry, um, you know. And then, you know, the 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 alternative that you pointed out, you know, how much money can they save by taking Max Clark, you know, uh, right. and if there's not that much in their estimation separating Max Clark from Dylan Cruz, then maybe you seriously can consider that. And you've probably heard the same things, you know, that yep. a lot of people think Max Clark has the highest ceiling of anyone in the class, yep. but it's ceiling, right? So um, I personally am a Max Clark fan, but I also think, you know, not taking, not taking one of the LSU guys might be a misstep, but, I, I agree with everything you said, by the way. But if you're saying if you're thinking they go with one specific other player, I'll say I think it actually might be Clark. I mean, I could see the argument for Langford, White Langford also. But I think with Clark, they might have the opportunity to just shave a little bit more to potentially go over slot where they their picks actually are pretty similar to their picks that they had two years ago when they took Henry Davis with the first overall pick, which right now looks pretty good, actually. Um I think that uh, I could certainly see a scenario where they do that with Clark, who also folks who know Max say he really wants to be the first overall pick because I think he likes the way that sounds. And why wouldn't he? That is very Max Clark to want that. And I think the Pirates can do some pretty good damage as they did two years ago with if they save some money with those extra picks. I agree with what you said. I think the risk of them going in a different direction like next year, Dylan Cruz is in the majors in July, and people are saying, what the hell right. are the Pirates thinking not doing this? Do you think it's Clark? I guess that's a long way of saying, do you think it would be Clark? Or do you feel like they could do I, a different player? I, I think so. I mean, and, and knowing that, like, there's still a long way to go. Yes. I, I don't know what conversations they've had with everybody. I know they've scouted Max Clark very heavily, but they've mm -hmm. probably scouted all five of those guys very heavily. I, I have not heard Wyatt, Lang, uh, Wyatt Langford's name in that top spot mm -hmm. recently. Um, not that he hasn't had a really good year, and right. you know I think he's going to hit. Uh, you know I kind of wish they'd played him in center field just so people would know what it looked like because yeah. you know that I think that's the that's the there's not that much different between him and Dylan Cruz. I don't think. Uh, other than maybe the extra year of track record and the fact that Cruz can play center field. So, uh, you know, but I just haven't heard his name. I haven't heard Walker Jenkins' name in that top spot. Although, you know, especially early in the spring, mm -hmm. people were going just bonkers over the how good Jenkins looked and yeah. in center field. So that's what I was saying, you know, at the, at the outset. Like, I think in any, in other years, any of these five guys could be seen as, 
the a clear cut number one guy. Mm-hmm. There's just that group of five of them. I I heard the joke. It's Larry Walker Jenkins because that's who he reminds people of. Oh, and that's pretty good. That's pretty right? good. I like, I like that, that one. Right? I'll try not to. I just to don't use remember that. young. Uh, feel free. Um, I don't remember young Larry Walker. I remember fu- fully grown Larry Walker, right? Which is obviously a different player entirely. And so I'm a little bit um, at a loss for that particular comparison. But if you're telling me, if you're a scout and you're telling me this guy could be Larry Walker when he grows up, okay, I'm in. I will take that. I would right. take that with the first overall pick. I'd take it with the fourth overall pick. I mean, to me, there is a clear, I think you said this a few moments ago, there's a clear group of five. Um, any of which could go number one in a typical year, and we wouldn't even blink about it. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things we did sort of in advance of uh, of that expansion to the top 200 mm-hmm. uh, is I sent out a survey of executives, other general managers, scouting directors, um, and the like, sort of limiting it to decision makers or at least national cross-checkers and sort of asked them to rank the top five. Mm-hmm. And it went kind of what, how you would think. You know, Cruz got the most first place votes and Skeen's got the second. Yeah. Um, but all five of them got at least one first place vote. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think it shows you that, uh, you know, I think I think Max Clark just got the just got one first place vote uh, and Langford maybe only got two. But I think it just shows that there's not there's not a slam dunk. One guy, you know, when when the that's where the difference I think is Keith between this year and twenty twenty one. Yep. In twenty twenty one, there was not a clear cut number one guy just because, like, I don't know, like no one really ran away and hid. This year, several guys have kind of separated themselves. Yeah. So it's maybe the same boat, um, except like I don't know when you have this many good players. I guess you could make the argument. Well, then why not save more money? But I think you also can run the risk of trying to be too smart. Yeah, too clever, right? I yeah. absolutely think that. I mean, I've got Cruz number one on my list on my ranking. Cruz is still number one, right? Do you still have, it's still yep. Cruz, Skeens, Langford? Yeah, and I'll, I'll uh, y- yes, I, you know, and I'll tell you that we were when we first started, you know, uh, putting together and finalizing the order for this expansion. At one point in time, we thought about flipping Skeens and Cruz. Sure. Mostly because, you know, Cruz struggled a bit in May, um, the first part of May anyway. Yep. Yeah, he's not hitting 500 anymore. Right, right. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, when you when when the mean is hitting 430, um, you're regressing the mean doesn't mean that. But he was swinging a miss a little bit more. And you're nitpicking at the very top. So we're like, well, Mm -hmm. maybe we should flip it around. And then I did, you know, then I did the survey and and Cruz had gotten well, he didn't run away. I think it was 17 or 18 to 10 first place votes. Okay. But it was enough that we're like, all right, we're going to leave it. So, yeah, it's still Cruz Skeen. It's Cruz Skeens, Langford, Jenkins, Clark. And I have Cruz, Langford, Skeens, Clark, Jenkins on the list I'm working on for next week. So this isn't the one I did a couple weeks ago. I'm going to go to 100 right. next week, which is the most that I go to. Um and that's, I believe that's the current order I'm working with. And I did want to ask, so one thing about Skeens, the only reason I have Skeens third, because I agree with, I mean, he's, it's Garrett Cole, it's Justin Verlander. He's, he's a pitcher. Yeah, he's a pitcher. They pitchers. break, they all break. 
They all break, right? I have no idea. There's certain guys where I look and it's like, well, that's going to break sooner, more likely. But, you know, then there's Chris Sale who didn't break for 1,200 innings, right? Right, and everyone thought he he was going to break instantaneously. Oh, my God. I still remember. I won't name the scout, but one of those, like, long-time national guys, good pitching guy type, and he's like, he's going to break down. I can still picture him saying this to me at the Area Code Games, whatever year that was, 2010? Might have been 2009. Maybe it was 2010 because he had just been drafted, I think, at that point. And Mm -hmm. it was like, that guy can't. No, there's no way. That's a reliever. That's absolutely a reliever. Tons of people said that. And Sale, for whatever genetic or other reason, right, stayed healthy. So He's like the anti—he's the anti-Mark Pryor. Right. Oh, yes. Perfect delivery. Right. Okay. Right. And I tried to bring that that argument up. I run screaming. Yeah. I tried to bring that up as an argument. It didn't really fly because obviously it was a different era uh, draft. But, you know, everyone in the world thought that Mark Pryor was the best player in that draft class. Yep. And should have gone number one. That's 01, right? Right. 2001. Yeah. Yeah. 2001. And the, you know, the fact of the matter is he wouldn't take a deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And so the twins took Joe Mauer. Now they loved Joe Mauer and may have taken him anyway. So I kind of was trying to make the argument for this year. Well, you know, you have a, a potential quick to the big leagues generational type starting pitcher yeah. in, in Paul Skeens, mm-hmm. who, like Cruz, could be in the big leagues by midseason next year. Yes. You know, follow the Strasburg. You know, but what you know. Look at what the you know the Twins did in '01. wasn't a bonus pool system. You could make the argument maybe they would have just taken Pryor anyway because you still can be, you know, somewhat creative. But like I'm like I don't know is that different? You know, if you think Max Clark or Walker Jenkins is close or has a higher ceiling because of that, you know, thing. Now, if you think Paul Skeens is the best guy, then I think you. You run the risk and you just take, take him it just because because yeah. yep. he's that good. And I, I think that's the other thing in terms of, you know, that being too clever is you could sign a guy for eight and a half million dollars, nine million dollars with that one one pick and still have money left over to be creative. Yep. And you have the size of a pool that the Pirates have. Like, you know, I don't know if you need to save that much more money to sign that many more high-end high school guys yeah i don't you know depending on what they want to do and i know i know they like to do that and you know we'll have to the jury's still out you know but uh you know i don't know that i would do that because slot for number one is so high that i still think you could use the the bonus pool creatively yeah if you come in half a million under slot at one plus all the extra money that you have that the pirates are going to have because they have the one extra pick in I think it's Comp Brown B is their next is their their extra pick right they're towards the top of every round after the first plus they have the one extra pick like they could be pretty creative right right I'm just checking our the draft order to to be precise oh yeah it's funny I when every time I open that Google says you have visited this page many times yeah yes. stop <laughs> should, we're gonna I'm just gonna have them especially if you look if you're if you're going to our site mm-hmm. um. I'm just going to have a welcome back, Keith. Yeah, uh, banner put up. Perfect. I do. I just yes. go to your site. Yes. So they so they pick. Yeah, they pick 42, and then they pick uh, 67. 67. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's so they don't have 
a pick, if they had a pick like 32 or something, I could make a much stronger argument to say, you know, if you shave 2 million, a million and a half, I think it was 2 million they shaved with Davis. At right. pick 32, you could get a top 15 type talent who who slipped. You could get Johnny Farmelo, who some people really think is that kind of, of player. One of those good high school bats is still going to be there in the 30s. By the time you get to 42, several teams have had a second bite at the apple at that point to try to, you know, Seattle's got the three picks, so they're going to almost certainly move some money around. If I'm the Pirates, I can plan less around a specific name or a small set of names because a lot of those guys are going to be gone. I mean, the, the Colt Emersons, the Farmalos, Sammy Stefora, those high school position players who everyone likes, lots of people think back of the first round-ish, but might want a little more money. It gets a little harder and harder to see those guys getting to the Pirates' second round pick, which is also their so. second pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Yep. Um, any player you think, you can go off your last mock or just speak more generally, who you think is going to surprise and get into the first round or even just has a chance, say, somebody who's, who we're not all saying, you know, clear top 30, top 25 talent, but you're starting to hear a little bit. This guy might get into the first round. Yeah, I'll throw out two. And like, and you know how quickly these things change or a guy is like, oh, well, not everyone's saying and then suddenly everyone's saying. Um, so I, like, I don't know if Walker Martin fits the everyone's saying category yet, um, but uh, he's you know high school shortstop from Colorado, which is a weird enough demographic, just high school players from Colorado tend to go to, yeah, they tend to go to college uh, and then sometimes they become something um, and more arms, you know, it's been, you know, followed that, you know, the Kyle Freeland path, but um, he is a guy who sort of came, came up over the summer, a uh, multi-sport guy who hadn't been seen that much. And then I think it was the area code games. He kind of went off. Yes. And, yeah. That's what I heard a, at least. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a kind of, obviously small sample but people were like wow we're gonna need to watch this guy and then you know so they've been pouring in once it started warming up a little bit and you know the the competition in colorado is what it is but he's been very impressive he's if he's not leading he's among the nation's leaders the high school hitters and home runs he can play shortstop ton of tools so i think i threw him into my last mock um later in the first round i've heard him as high as the middle of the first round you know so that's a that's a guy uh, that's a guy that i put in whose name i had heard and then one name i had heard but didn't put in was chase davis Um, oh interesting i got a reader who keeps uh, asking me if he's going in the first round and I, i you know there's not enough intel now uh to to really dig in like oh this team is really on him but you know, the argument was he's always had tools and he's, you know, the swing and miss was much better this year. So he's been a much better overall hitter and the power is still there, right? 21 homers. He's got more walks and strikeouts. He is the kind of player who does tend to float up. Now that may, that may be comp round, you know, when, when all said and done, but that was a name that I had heard a little bit. Um, I didn't put him in this last go round. Um, for whatever that's worth. It just, it wasn't like a, but I did hear Walker Martin's name 
with a couple of teams specifically, um, you know, as I put them in and, but I mostly put them into the back end of the first round and people know sort of the, the mechanisms, you know, at this point in a mock, like sometimes it'll just, I'll put a name in the back end of the first round without knowing, you know, Oh, the Atlanta Braves are really into Walker Martin. It's more to reflect. We're hearing his name in this neck of the, of the first round uh, a little bit more. Yep, I, I do exactly the same thing, especially late in the round where it's, hey, we, we don't really know what some of these teams are because I'll ask a team like that and they'll say, we don't know who's getting to us. We just don't. We, we of have course. a large basket right. of guys we like or categories of guys we like. Um, and Walker Martin is one of those. You can put him in with Emerson, Stephora, um, Dylan Head is another one. If he got in mm-hmm. the last few picks of the first round, I'd say, sure, I'm not surprised. And if he ended up in the top five picks of the second round, getting an overslot deal, I also wouldn't be surprised. He's in that, they're in that same group of players. The one thing I've heard a little bit on Martin, and I, I've heard very much what you've heard too, he's already 19. And so right. there's, there are certain teams that are just going to say no. They're just, whether it's model, they don't take 19 year old high school players, which is not necessarily a good policy because if I remember correctly, both Bobby Witt Jr. and Jordan Lawler were 19 or within a few days of 19 at their drafts. So yeah, Brett Beatty, Brett Beatty was 19 and a half, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. So, but yes, and, teams will be like, no. Yep. Some teams just won't take, will not take those guys. Cleveland, I'm pretty sure just he, Walker Martin doesn't exist. In and, Cleveland. and especially, and I can almost, I, I don't like the, that argument anyway, because they'll be drooling over a guy like that in two years as a draft eligible sophomore. Now I know there's two years of college data, when you're playing in a place where the competition isn't that good, maybe it holds a little more weight to me. You know, the whole, the Brett Beatty thing always like from the get go. Then I'm like, I don't understand. He's playing. You know, he's in Texas. He did all the summer show. He had another stuff. draft. Jimmy he's Lewis was on his competition. team. Yeah, yeah, they were a great so, school. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. And so. the the one th- other thing with with Martin that I think applies to a lot of cold weather kids, um, and I think this goes to your point earlier about. Um, the high school players not getting not signing out of Colorado as often is he is not going to see a lot of quality breaking stuff over the course of the spring. So it's really what did you see at area codes or other showcases last summer is going to care probably in his case going to carry a lot more weight. He was good at area codes. That might be the thing that carries him up. So everyone who's running in to see him the spring, you still want to see the body and make sure he runs okay and how he's moving. But he's not going to see a quality curveball probably the entire spring. And you just got to go off what you saw last summer, which in his case, fortunately, was was very good from everything I heard. Sounds like from everything you heard, too. So far, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, 
you also mentioned that you updated your top 200. Your updated your rankings expanded from it was 150 to 200 with this last update. Yep. Anybody uh, make a big jump or make a large, make a high ranking debut on this list that we wouldn't have seen on previous lists? Yeah, the 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 guy who made the biggest leap of any kind and he was a debut was Joe Whitman, the lefty from Kent State. Yep. Uh, who, I mean, it's a great story and you know another feather in the cap of Kent State's program where they just churn out pitchers mm-hmm. who know what they're doing. But this is a guy who went through five innings at Purdue over his first two years, then transferred to Kent State, and has just been progressively getting better and better uh, each week. Um, and taking he's definitely taking advantage of the fact that there are very few um, – college lefties who have performed well or are healthy yeah but he's also he's also really just gotten the job done you know mike burkbeck is the pitching coach at kent state he does a really good job and i know that he's very excited uh about whitman because he's had a, an up arrow uh you know next to his name unfortunately they're years over uh, mm-hmm. but he's a six five lefty it, it's a you know it, it's a kind of typical pitchable pitchability lefty but there may be some upside there because he hasn't thrown that much the sliders are really really good yep and so he jumped from not being on the list to 46 um so that's by far the 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 guy who's made the largest uh jump from not you know from nothing to to being at least a second rounder if you told me he went in the comp round i'd believe it yeah i agree it's funny he is i have heard very similar things that he could get into the comp round. Uh, for folks who don't know him at Purdue, uh, he made eight appearances last year, only 3.2 innings. Um, he gave up nine hits and walked three. He had a 12 ERA the year before he threw two innings for Purdue and had a 13 right. and a half ERA. So his career at Purdue was less than illustrious. And now he's <laughs> got a two and a half ERA, 81 innings, a hundred punch outs for Kent State. And it's enough fastball slider that at the very least, I think you can look at this guy and say, there's a big league reliever in here. And obviously people are talking about him as a potential long-term starter. And I think other than, I mean, I was going to say Hunter Owen, but he's missed starts this year. So I don't yep. even know if you'd put him in the healthy bucket. He was my top college mm-hmm. lefty before Whitman yes. popped. And now I think it's a little you. That, that's an interesting comparison between the two. And the high school left-handed crop is not very good either. It's it's overwhelmingly right-handed this year. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, the best high school lefty is Thomas White. Yep. Who who had you know, seemed like he was kind of moving moving up as much as a high school pitcher is going to. And then his his last. Talk about, you know, you talk about first impressions, but, like, I think in this game a lot of times last impressions. Now, he may go work out for teams and things like sure. that. But his last start was absolutely terrible. You got those texts, um, too? Oh, yeah. Like, unsoli- un- unsolicited. Yes, same. Um, so, um, it's, uh, yeah, kind of kind of crazy. And, um, but... He's still the top guy. I think yeah, Cameron Johnson I got banged up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. If he comes back, my understanding is that he's going to pitch in the Florida high school all-star game. Oh, I think if he great. goes yeah. out and, and if he goes out and throws well, yes. then I think that 
he'll you know but he's probably more comp second round that's what i think i think he's a second pick to me there's a whole category of guys where i I just say second pick overpay right that is that that describes a specific type of player that everyone likes him probably think he's a first rounder but he's the guy you take with the second pick because of some other risk factor a medical thing or just you think high school pitchers are generally risky or you know like dylan head where it's tons of tools but the hit yeah, it might be a little bit more questionable. Do you want to hang your whole draft on a guy like that, or would you rather take him with the second pick? Johnson, to me, is like that. Um, Clemmy in Rhode Island, where the stuff is, is tremendous, but there are people who really question the delivery, and also it's a high school pitcher, and, you know, is he— you've In got, Rhode Island. In yeah. Rhode Island, right, at Rocco Baldelli's alma mater, actually. Um, yeah. And they were doing great with him, too. He was pitching every Monday for much of the spring, which, as you know, scouts love because Monday is generally one of the dead days. And then they had like three straight days of rain. He got pushed to Thursdays for the rest of the spring. And suddenly I started getting fewer reports back on him because. Yeah, yeah, no, the earlier reports were really good. I think people saw him enough, especially because, you know, you kind of know what he is, right? The stuff is very exciting and it's going to be. Do you think. And Thomas White's in this bucket too, even if he's a little, there's a little more polish. Um, but it's, do we think we can iron out the the delivery issues that have led to some command problems for both of them? And Clemmy's command issues may be a little more pronounced, but, uh, you know, Cam Johnson went to IMG and threw very, very well until he got, you know, hurt a little bit and no one knew exactly what the deal is. So if he comes back healthy, I don't know. In some ways, you might like him more just because the competition he's faced. Um, you know, he's a he's a big, strong. None of them are. You know, you know. I mean, Thomas White's not a small guy either. So we're not talking about a five eleven lefty here. You know, right. the, the, it's legitimate body and stuff. So that 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 probably and and coming from the left side, that always is going to help. Yeah, I wonder if we'll get to a point in the comp or second round and then a bunch of these guys go. Like, what, somebody takes a lefty and other teams go, oh, my God, we, the lefties are going. I have vague memories of that happening. It happened with catchers. I forgot. I remember the Eric San Pedro was the guy I remember in the draft where huh. it was the Expos still. So that's this, that is how long ago this was. And he got picked and people in the people, the guys in our draft room did not rank San Pedro anywhere near where he got picked but it was sort of oh there's a run on catchers now everyone's panicking and taking all the college catchers and suddenly our board got decimated of all the any college catcher we had at all there was just a run on right them. It's, I, it's one of those weird times where the regular baseball draft mirrors the fantasy draft very much so yeah yeah very much so <laughs> um let me throw one other name at you um because I find him super interesting Tanner Witt uh, for folks who don't know, going into last spring as a sophomore, he was one of, I think he was near the top of people's follow lists for this year. Not necessarily as a 1-1 candidate, but somebody who would almost certainly be a first rounder and had a chance to move himself up into, say, top 10 or so. And then he blew out and he came back fairly quickly. I think he might have been short of 12 months and he came back. And he hasn't looked great. Um, command doesn't look great and the stuff is just not quite where it was, which is not to say it won't get there certainly. Cause he did get back very quickly. Where do you think he ends up going? Because he, I thought he might do the Connor prelip thing and barely pitch, do a couple workouts and then hope to get paid. Prelip was a second round pick of Cleveland last year. And what I heard was that when, when he's been healthy, he's looked really good at least. Do you think Witt ends up in a similar situation? Because I wonder, worry in his case that coming back and pitching and not looking good might 
end up paradoxically hurting him, even though he came back so much sooner than we might have expected. Yeah, that 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 is one of those weird things where it, it can hurt you, mm-hmm. even though you've shown that you're performing. Um, you know, he could come and have a postseason run right now. This is the 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 main benefit of the draft being later. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. is for guys like that to be able to come back and yeah, if he point. throws well. I'm just going to correct you very slightly because Prelip was a Twins pick, not a, not oh, a Cleveland pick. Twins, wrong, yes. wrong AL Central. I'm, and the only reason I know that is I do the Twins top 30. We split them up. And I'm like, yes. I think he's with the Twins. No, you're right. Um, you're totally and, right. and obviously he's not. He's barely pitched. But um, yes. the because he could have a run right now and he mm-hmm. could be what this year's Cade Horton. If you yes. want to sort of go down that road. Yep. Um and no one will remember that he struggled this year. So I, I, I don't know how to quantify the struggles this year. Like, if teams go out and see him, it's not like they were bearing down on him before he got hurt. No, he was an yeah. underclassman. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, uh, and the you know the teams that had underclass, uh, you know, scouts were few and far between. There are a few more now, but this is already you know a couple of years ago. So they have a memory of him being really, really good, but they weren't watching his delivery and, and really, you know, filling out reports and things of that nature. So, I, you know, I don't know how they quantify. We have him, right, at 41, so that's second round. Mm-hmm. And that sounds, about, that sounds about right to me. Yeah. You know, could he go higher and cut a deal? Sure. I mean, I don't think. Sure. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think he goes top 10 like Kate Horton did. But, of course, I didn't think Kate Horton was going to go top 10. So oh who knows? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and the jury's still very much out on Kate Horton, right? He's been, you know, he's had some good starts. He's had some not good starts. He's really yeah. not pitching very much. It's, we're not going to know for a while, I think, on that. Right. Right, right. You know, the stuff is very, very good. So I, I think someone someone will take him, and it may depend on, like, what, what he'll sign for. Yeah. Uh, again, you know. People listen to this, and then suddenly he goes the back end of the first round of the comp round. That may just be a team being creative, and we're like, we like him, we like him more as a third rounder, but he'll take second round money in the first round, so then we can use our bonus pool money, and it gets a little convoluted. So, but I think where we have him right around forty, you know, that's you know, a couple picks into the second round. That that feels about right, although as you pointed out, it's kind of guesswork. Oh, right now. Absolutely. Um, you know, I do want to actually throw out one more name from your ranking because I think he's another interesting case. You have Chase Dollander at six, um, which I can completely justify. I have him a bit lower. He's been around 15, I think, on my rankings so far. Is that primarily a this guy was maybe one one good last year and we don't want to let go of that? You know, given that he's healthy, as far as we know, he hasn't pitched like that this year. He hasn't really looked like that this year. But there's a guy in there who a year ago might have been the first pick or at least the first pitcher taken in the draft. And that's why we're holding him up in the top 10, which, like I said, can totally justify. Yeah, it's I mean, some of it is beyond that top five that we talked about. Mm-hmm. You could probably in fact, one of the survey questions I asked and I'll, I'll sort of re- report the results of it. You know, is who is the next best prospect after the top five? Yeah. You know, there's consensus 
that's the top five yep. in whatever order you want to put them yeah. in. Draw, and then draw after a bold that, line under. I yes, agree. right, yeah. right. And then, and then what? You know, so I don't think there was anyone who really screamed that belonged. You know, always oh, close to that. You know, neck of the woods. I think Dolander's another guy. If Tennessee can make a postseason run, mm-hmm. um, if he dominates, his last start was very good. If he can put together another one or two of those, then that probably sort of cements him ranking wise right around where we have him. Mm-hmm. And then it's some of it depends on what you like. You know, I like Jacob Wilson a lot, um, but I also understand like there are some questions about well, how much impact is he going to have at the next level and. Um, Grand Canyon, you know, he's not playing in the SEC and, you know, all, whatever things you can say. The, I, the guy has str- struck out only slightly more times than I have, and I don't play. So, right. Is he um, still at five? It was five the other he day. He had one strikeout in conference, something crazy it's like that. Hilarious. It's hilarious. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. And there are teams that and he, really, really value that. Like that is in a, near the very top of their criteria. Sure. I mean, and even if your team like nowadays, like, okay, strikeouts are, you know, maybe the pendulum switch, you know, swinging a little bit back now that the the game is changing a little bit, Mm -hmm. but people live with strikeouts, but it's such an extreme and he's not just punching the ball the other way, you know, like, you know, for who he's playing against. Yeah. You can have all those caveats, but He's driving the ball. He's hitting some home runs. He can really play shortstop, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I understand the questions there. And then, you know, after that, we have Rhett Louder, who's probably outside of Skeens has been the most consistent college pitcher. Yep. But Dolander's stuff, pure stuff, is better. So, like, I, I think, you know, I don't, rem- you know, who who are you going to have six on your next list? Kyle Teal. Yeah. Yep. Who I has ten on think- your list? Yeah, so we're, we're very close. I, I think our six through ten, you know, Dolan, we had Dolander, Wilson, Louder, Arjun Namal, and Kyle Teal. Mm-hmm. You could turn that around and run it backwards, six to ten, and be like, yep. "Okay, yeah." Louder, Nimmo, so, and Teal are all in my top ten too. So we're yeah. very similar. And my last mock, I had Teal going six to the A's. So yep, uh, And yeah. I think the survey that I did. He probably, I'm not looking at the results right now, but I, I, if memory serves me right, he was the guy who got the most votes for to, oh, so to be the next best prospect. Sure. But I think five guys got votes. No one yep. got more than three or four. And like 32 people responded. So like that's it's that's literally great. all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Um, before I let you go, tell us about the book. It is called, just to remind folks, it is called Smart, Wrong, and Lucky, and it is out July 11th, so everyone can pre-order it right now. Uh, what's it about, and how long has it yeah, been the, in the so works? Yeah, so like the, the, the subhead is the origin stories of baseball's unexpected stars, so that mm-hmm. provides a little context. Mm-hmm. So the idea being, it actually started back during the shutdown in 2020. I did a story, like an oral history on Charlie Blackman, mm-hmm. um, who... Hadn't, who didn't hit until his senior year at, at Georgia Tech, like all through junior college, uh, then was and you know ended up sort of redshirting at Georgia Tech because he hurt his elbow. So it was this crazy story how he ended up hitting. I don't mm-hmm. want to give too many of the details. He played summer ball yep. and talked his way into hitting in, in effect because he was just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And um, so after doing that, and I was like, well, wow, that was a 
really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized, you know, we all talk to scouts. They're the greatest storytellers on earth. Oh, for sure. And there are tons of these kinds of stories. Now, they're the flip side stories, too, of the guys they are sure of. And scouts love to tell those stories, too. Guys yeah. who missed. But no one wants to see a book cover with a bunch of guys that no one's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like, I got to right. do the guys who actually made it. So, yeah. you know, on the cover, there's Mookie Betts, Joey Votto, Albert Pujols and Shane Bieber. All of varying degrees. Albert Pujols is probably like the, the poster child of the late round pick who who made it, um, you know, and not like the Mike Piazza catching lightning in the bottle kind of late round pick, but more just a what happened here right. kind of thing. And so it's all it's all stories like that. Jacob deGrom. Um, Lorenzo Cain might be my favorite one just because he did not play an inning of baseball in his life until his sophomore year of high school. Yeah, it's amazing. It's great. It's a Disney movie to me. Yeah. Um, and like the stories that came out of that, like in terms of him, like really not even understanding how the game was played. And then two years later, being a draft and follow with the Brewers. And, you know, so it's, it's a testament to the players and then but it's really kind of a you know a, a love my my love story to to scouts and how hard it is to do what they do and how completely impossible it was for me to get them to claim that they knew a guy was going to be the guy they turned into cuz <laughs> you know they've been they've been humbled by the by by the the game and how hard scouting is too often so every time hey Come on, you knew Jacob Degrom was going to end up throwing a hundred and winning back-to-back Cy Youngs, and like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you know, Jacob Degrom was a shortstop who was throwing eighty-eight to ninety, yeah. you know, but could put the ball on a dime. You're like, so I, it doesn't dive into the development stuff too much, but it it uh, it tells more the the scouting stories and how how they got drafted and signed. So it Wonderful. was a lot of fun. Yeah, I look forward to reading it. Uh, my guest today has been the great Jonathan Mayo, uh, who does. Yes, you are great. I think you're great. Wow, well, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, who does great work over at MLB Pipeline. And uh, you can find their uh, his latest mock draft, which went up last week. Their updated ranking of the top 200 prospects for this year's draft went up just this week. And pre-order Jonathan's book, Smart, Wrong, and Lucky, which comes out on July 11th. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure, Keith. Anytime. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. Just a little preview looking ahead. I am going to expand my own ranking of draft prospects. I only go to 100. I'm just one man. There's only so much I can do. Uh, That is scheduled to go up probably June 6th, certainly the week of June 5th. You will see that appear on the site, again, for subscribers to The Athletic. And I will do three more mock drafts between now and the draft itself. I will also be doing the uh, my annual 10-year look back, so where I redraft from 10 years ago. That's also coming up this month. So lots of draft-related content in addition to minor league scouting blogs coming up between now and the actual draft itself, which takes place on July 9th, uh, the evening of July 9th in Seattle, where they're holding the All-Star Game. I will be there. I'll be at the Futures Game on July 8th and the draft on July 9th. Perhaps I will see some of you out there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe.